are so many privileges that I've had in my life. And today I just want to share a few things that I feel very, very strongly about. One of the privileges that I've had, one, is to be a vital part of two young ladies' lives. Their names are Christy and Sherry. And they are my daughters. And one of them is 53 and one of them is 50. They remind me often how much older I am than they are. And that's okay. As they were born and moved into their first years as children, I have to tell you that I was not really invested in them. And I am confessing this. I've confessed it to them. We've talked about it. Uh, in those years, well, when we first came to Virginia Beach in 1970, Christy was six months old. Sherry had not arrived yet. And I was so wrapped up in being a young minister and working hard and unfortunately part of that to just prove that I was okay. Yes, it was part of my insecurity and my immaturity. And so if you want to know anything about Christy and Sherry when they were little kids, I mean, infants and toddlers and two and three and four-year-olds, you need to talk to Mickey. <laughs> Because I wasn't there. And when they were, well, when Christy was about four, uh, we left the Elin and moved back to Texas for me to become Dr. Solomon. And that is certainly something God wanted me to become. And I'm so thankful for that. However, I still, no longer was I working really hard being a minister of education at Thay Lynn, now I'm working really hard pro proving myself to my major professor and working really hard to get my grades. Yeah, they were pretty good. No, they were really good <laughs> because I worked so hard. But again, for the first year or so of that time in that experience, I didn't commit much time and energy to Christy and Sherry. God's blessings and God's plan, and I don't know that I can tell you exactly how it happened, but somewhere in that next year or so, I realized how valuable I could be in the Lord for these two little girls. And I began to be a good father. I committed myself to Christy and Sherry. And now they are five and six and seven and eight and ten and twelve and fourteen and fifteen and sixteen and eighteen. And I will tell you blessed that they are because of who they are. Christy was kind of Miss Perfect. She was a beauty and she was intelligent and she made super good grades 
and she didn't give us a drop of trouble. And then Sherry came along, and I said, oh, my goodness. Because Sherry was a struggler. Wasn't all her fault. Just part of her temperament. Part of what was going on. But when Sherry was about, oh, I would say in the fourth or fifth grade, I had been committed to Christian Sherry for those last few years, but I looked at Sherry and I made a total commitment to her. I said, Lord, help me just attach myself to this little girl. Because I knew, struggler that Sherry was, she could go either way. And I just attached myself to her. Now, I was down in the beachfront. We were in ministry. I was doing counseling. We were busy. But I didn't ever forget that Sherry really needed a dad. And every day. Now, I had an office in Partners Lodge down at the beachfront where we lived and worked during her late elementary school and all during junior high and high school. And every day, I knew what time she was going to get home. I had an office there in Partners Lodge. That's where I did my counseling. That's where we worked, where we organized. That was our headquarters. And every day, Sherry would come home. And I always had one hour. And she would walk in the front door and make an immediate left-hand turn and go into my office. Every single day that I can remember. And I spent that hour with my younger daughter. And I thank the Lord that he and I, it was his leadership to me, his wisdom to me, but it was my effort to commit myself to Sherry. Christy ended up going to four years of college at Wheaton College outside of Chicago, majoring in music, did wonderful. Sherry went to Messiah College outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, four years, ran track and beat everybody in the country. And they are now wonderful mothers and wives because God led me to commit to them. And then, and this was maybe not, well, it wasn't the best. Maybe it was. I don't know. We've just had so many the best times. But when they both met guys named David... Yes, my daughters are both married to David. Yes, two different Davids. Okay, but they both met David. And they, along with their husbands-to-be, asked me to perform their wedding ceremonies. Now, you think it's not a privilege to be a dad and walk down this aisle, or the aisle of the churches where we perform those weddings, Yes, I got to do that, escort them down the aisle while a friend minister 
was doing this part up here. And then after we gave uh, our daughters to David in those wedding ceremonies, I was able to step up here and do the rest of the ceremony. That was one of the joys of my life. Because I knew what God had put into those little girls and into those young women. And I knew what Mickey and I had given to them because of the Lord's love. We had committed ourselves to them and loved them and disciplined them and played with them and supported them and been with them. And then I was able to stand in front of Christy and David and Sherry and Dave and hear them commit their everlasting love to each other. Christy and David Walker have been married for 31 years. Dave and Sherry Ramsey have been married for 27 years. And they are blessed with good, gracious, all kinds of kids. <laughs> and they're, most of them are going to be at my house this afternoon. Hallelujah. Now, why am I sharing all this with you? If you will pay attention to what I've said for these last about 10 minutes, you will have heard the word commit over and over and over and over and over and over again. I committed myself to them when they were little girls. I continued that commitment. I celebrated the commitment that they and David and Dave made to each other in marriage. I celebrate the continued commitment that they share with each other as they continue to grow and rear their children. And now their children have children, and I have five great-grandchildren and two more on the way. In the month of December, they're liable to all be in the hospital at the same time. But we are blessed because, and obviously what I want to talk to you today about is commitment. And I will tell you that as far as I'm concerned, commitment is basic. It's integral. It is foundational for our Christian life. We don't live a healthy Christian life without commitment. I've talked to you several times over the past about the commandments that our Heavenly Father, that our Lord Jesus Christ gives to us. You know what? With commandments, we're supposed to obey. And do you know what it takes to obey? Commitment. And I will say to you, understanding human beings, understanding God's ways, understanding our struggles, your struggles, mine, with being sinful people, understanding the things of emotions and psychology that I understand, that I will tell you that people don't like commitment. There's something inside of us that just says, oh, wait, is that going to put me on the spot? Is that going to make me really have to do what I'm committing to? Yes. It's called a promise. It's called a covenant. 
It's called a vow, if you would. Now, I've talked to people a lot about commitment because I believe in it so much. And I'm saying to you and, and to me that we don't live a healthy Christian life without commitment. But I also know that you're afraid of commitment. You know why you're afraid of commitment? Because you're afraid you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. It's fear. Who's in charge of fear? We've said this a ton of times. Satan. Satan does not want you to commit. He wants you to be afraid. Oh, I can't commit. No, no, I'll say I'll try. Ugh. I'm sorry. Trying? I don't even allow that in my counseling room. I don't allow people to say that. <laughs> I think it's a cop-out. It's part of what I call iffy language. Well, I'll just try to do that. Or maybe I'll do that. Or gosh, if you'll give me a little time, I'll see if I can do that. Or probably I will do that. <laughs> Folks, what would we be if Jesus had said, well, wait, I, I'll just see about that. No. A commitment is I will do that. Yes, and I'm asking you and I to live like that because we have in our heritage, in, our, in the legacy around us, in Scripture, we have... Tons of people. Now, they were human beings just like you and me. They were failures. They were sinners. They made mistakes. But we have tons of people that said, yes, Lord, I will do that. They didn't say, I'll try to do that. And I'm going to just remind you of a few, just for a little bit here. You know these stories, but please... Please understand that this is part of what God gives us as an example so that you and I can be committed men and women in the face of Almighty God. Because I'm going to remind you about a man named Abram. Now, if you want to read this, you know where it is, I hope. It's in Genesis. It's in chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, on up through 22. Yes, this man Abram. Now, we don't know much about him in his early years. We run into him in chapter 12 of Genesis. And what is, what is God saying to him? Move. <laughs> Leave your land that you've known. Abram was 75 years old. That's almost as old as I am. <laughs> But God said, move, leave your father's household and go to a place that I will show you. Are you aware that that's the story? Did Abram know where he was going? Nope. <laughs> but he knew and he obviously was a man of commitment. Now, like I say, Abram and then he becomes a little bit later Abraham. He didn't do it all right. He made some pretty drastic mistakes, some sinful things, some deceptive things in his life. But he kept coming back and coming back and coming back to the covenant. See, God made a commitment to Abraham. 
And Abraham made a commitment to Almighty God. And God kept saying to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a child. In the early stages of this story, Abram or Abraham fussed with God. <laughs> he said, God, I don't have any children. And I just got a, a servant in my household, Eleazar. And the only thing I can see is if you're going to bless me and make me a great person over all these nations, then Eleazar is going to be the, the one you do this from. And God said, Abraham, no, I'm going to give you a child. And you're going to go outside and look at all the stars in the sky. And your descendants are going to be as numerous as those stars. We're in the 15th chapter of Genesis. And the scriptures say that Abraham believed God. And God counted it to him as what? Righteousness. Why? Because God committed to Abraham and Abraham committed to God. And Isaac was born. Yes, Sarah was 99 and Abraham was 100. Oh, my goodness. But that's the truth of the scriptures. And Isaac grew. And Isaac became a young man. And Isaac was blessed because of Abraham and Sarah. They made a commitment to him. But then God said, what? Abraham, take Isaac and go to a mountain way out there, three days journey from where you are. And take Isaac and sacrifice him. This is one of the most horrible stories in Scripture. I'm looking at probably half, more than half, Parents, grandparents, think about it, please. Your, your son, your daughter, my Christy, my Sherry, for that matter, my David, my Dave. I love them all deeply. Go sacrifice Isaac on the mountain. And you know what Abraham did? He got up the next morning. He didn't say, God, are you sure? God, can I just have six months to think about this? Not now, God. i got to do this and this and this and this. Abraham was committed to his heavenly father. He got it the next morning. He took him. And they went all the way to the top of that mountain. And here's an interesting thing about that story. Scripture says that Abraham bound Isaac and put him on top of the altar on that pile of wood that he was about to sacrifice. Now, it's probably true that Isaac was 30 years old. How old was Abraham? 125, 130? You think, uh, you think Isaac couldn't have taken his dad right there? You think he couldn't have said, no way, dad, I ain't doing this. So who else was committed to this plan? His name was Isaac. Isaac was committed to Almighty God and committed to his father. Can't even hardly imagine it. But we know the wonderful ending of that story that the angel of the Lord. Now, you remember me talking about the pre-incarnate Christ? 
the the one that we knew before Christmas? Well, this is part of when he showed up on that mountaintop and the angel of the Lord, I'm saying I believe it is was Jesus Christ, said, no, Abraham, now I know that you're committed to the Lord and you're willing to give your only son. What is that story a, a preview of? <laughs> yeah. See, see the commitment that's involved in this? And then God provides. No, Isaac was not killed, was not sacrificed, was not done away with on that altar. Because then over here in the bushes, there is a ram, an animal that is sacrificed. Commitment. We need to think about the depth of Abraham's commitment and of Isaac's commitment. But then I want to tell you about one of my favorites, because his name was Joshua. Now, if you've not read the story of Joshua, please go find scripture in Numbers and in the book of Joshua and read about this godly man who was committed. Now, we see Joshua as one of the spies in the book of Numbers. Remember, Moses sent spies into the promised land. Moses was saying, go in there and check it out. And so Joshua and Caleb and ten other guys. Now, we don't remember the names of the ten other guys. <laughs> Maybe we should. But no, they went into the promised land, spent 40 days. Now, they were in a foreign land, a threatening place. That's the first level of commitment. They were willing to go in and do what Moses had asked them to do. And then they came back. And you know the story. It was not a pretty story. Because 10 of the 12 said, no way, we cannot go into that land. Yes, it's a land of milk and honey. Yes, we carry these animals and these grapes and all this produce that is amazing from the, the, the promised land. But the people are huge. And the cities are fortified. And we all felt like grasshoppers. So small and so insignificant in the midst of those people in that land. And so ten of them said, no, 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 no. Joshua and Caleb said, yes. Yes, God has given us the land. Yes, he has committed it to us. We need to commit to him. We need to believe in our heavenly father and go do what he has said for us to do. Did they? Nope. So what happened? Forty years. Forty years. That's a long time, folks. Wandering in the wilderness and everybody above the age of 20 except Joshua and Caleb. What happened to them? Died. Dead. Gone. Now, that's a tragic story. Hurts my heart to think about it. But the commitment that God said and the commitment that Joshua had and Caleb had was to do what God said, even though it did not make any sense. Now, listen to that phrase. Because you and I keep wanting God to make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
God, if it'll just make sense, if you'll tell me what's around the corner, God, if you'll just tell me how this is going to work out, God, if you'll just, if you'll just, if you'll just, if you'll just, then I'll try. Oh, I hate to say the word, sorry. That's not a commitment. Commitment means when God says, you go and you do. And you act on that. And that's part of what God is asking of you and me. He commands us. And he does it based on his truth and on his word. Now, one more and then the main one. Daniel. Now, some of y'all are studying Daniel. God bless all of you. It's, he is a powerful young man. He probably was a teenager. And he had grown, grown up in the Jewish faith. And he had prayed over and over and over and over and over. And then this fellow named Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem and besieged the place and took a lot of these folks back to Babylon. It is an exciting and a terrible story and an amazing part of God's plan. But Daniel went. And who were his three buddies? You know, you know who said, what are their names? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Go look at scripture. <laughs> Sorry, just had to do that. But we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? But these four young men, Daniel and these three buddies, they became the most powerful people in the kings Nebuchadnezzar, and then Belshazzar, and then Darius. There are three kings in there. And yet they showed commitment. And then with Darius, Darius had set up a government with all sorts of governors around the land. And he was about to make Daniel the number one administrator over all these 120 governors. Well, that was because Daniel was such a powerful, godly man of commitment. But you know what those other 120 were doing? They were being petty, immature, and jealous. And they went to Darius and they set up a whole scheme. Darius, if you'll give a decree that anyone who prays to anybody else other than you, Darius, worships anybody, honors anyone else, other than you, Darius, the king of Babylon. And they knew what Daniel did. He prayed all the time. To, to Darius? No. To his heavenly father. But anyone who prays to anybody else, then they go into the lion's den. And Darius gave in to his other 120 governors. He set up the decree. It was in the law of the Medes and the Persians. Yes, written in stone. That anybody who prayed or honored or worshipped anybody but the king Darius, they would be done away with. What did Daniel do? Did he cower and... Fall in a hole and go away and hide. and No, scripture tells us that he went back to his room, 
with the windows open to Jerusalem. Now, why was that phrase in Scripture? Because everybody had the opportunity to know what Daniel was doing. And what was Daniel doing? He was praying to his heavenly father three times a day, every day, over and over and over. Why? Because Daniel was a man of commitment. He was doing what God had asked him to do. And he was doing what his witness would bear in Babylon, in this foreign, threatening place in which he lived. And sure enough, you know the story. They found out. Uh, yeah, they were checking on him. And they went to Darius, and Darius had to follow the law. And Darius had him thrown into the lion's den. And Scripture says that Darius went back to his room, and he could not sleep. Darius wanted Daniel to be there, wanted him to be honored, because Darius knew that Daniel was a man of God, a man of commitment. And then we know. Hallelujah. Darius went the next morning, went to the lion's den, called out for Daniel, and Daniel said, King, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. Maybe he didn't say it just like that, but Daniel was right there having been protected by Almighty God, his Lord and Savior, because of his commitment. And then, the end of that story, that part of the story, was that Darius made a proclamation of the goodness of the God of Daniel and that everybody was to honor and worship and pray to the God of Daniel. Do you understand what I'm saying to you and me? Now, I'm just going to mention this because I don't have time and you already know. And I pray that everybody in here knows more than I even know about the most important commitment and the most important man. By the way, there were a lot of women, excuse me, ladies, but there were a lot of women in the Bible that were committed. Uh, maybe next week I'll take care of them, but no. <laughs> but they are there, and that is a blessing to all of us. But now, who's the most important person of commitment that we know in Scripture? Jesus Christ. Absolutely amen and hallelujah. Where would you and I be if he had not committed to come here? <laughs> Have you ever, do you think about that? Do you think about your life as a man or woman, as a family, as a church family, your family, your descendants? Do you think about how it would have been if Jesus Christ had said, well, I don't think so. <laughs> well, maybe I'll just try someday. No. Scripture tells us that he came. And he came into a horrible, terrible, cruel, cruddy place called this earth. And he came because he loved us. He came because he was committed to you and 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 to me. Because he knew what was to be. And he still knows what is to be. Now, I'm about through. It's one of those times where I could just go on and on and on.
and on and on and on. And somebody would throw something at me after a while. But the truth is certainly what I'm saying to you. And that is, is that you and I have been blessed. Blessed, 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 blessed by people of commitment. And we are called to be committed to the Lord, to your families, to this church. You're about to go to your Sunday school classes, your small groups, to that group to the fellowship of this church, to your friends and brothers and sisters in this church. Please don't be wrapped up in fear that you're not adequate. Now, the fact is, is that you and I are not adequate, totally. But that's why we have Jesus Christ in our life. That's why we have the Holy Spirit in our life. Because in that you become adequate, I become adequate, and we can walk on in the absolute power of commitment. Now, for just a moment, I want you to think about that. I'm going to conclude in just a bit, but I want you to just be absolutely silent. I'm going to stop talking. I will say to you before I stop talking that if there's anybody in here that does not understand commitment to Jesus Christ and his commitment to you and me. If you're an unbeliever or a doubter, please talk to me. Please talk to Scott. Please talk to deacons. Please talk to somebody. Because this is the truth that the Lord has laid before you, not me. This is his stories. But right now, I want you to think about being People of commitment. Just be silent, pray, think, and then we'll conclude.